Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Welcome to the Premier League Tonight podcast. I was joined at the Liberty Stadium by Glenn Hoddle, Chris Sutton and Swansea's own John Hartson. On this week's pod, we were also joined by Leon Britton as Swansea was sucked back into the relegation battle after that 1-0 defeat to Chelsea. It's four games undefeated for West Brom's Darren Moore as the Baggies give themselves a small glimmer of hope and look to stay in the Premier League. And Mark Hughes picked up three crucial points as he kept Southampton's survival hopes alive with a win over Bournemouth. Southampton's former manager, Claude Puel, has had an up-and-down season with the Foxes, currently in ninth, but after a 5-0 loss to Palace, the fans have started to turn. And finally, in a week which saw Iniesta announce he could never play against Barcelona, Mo Salah scored against Roma and Alexis Sanchez played against Arsenal on Sunday. So we take a look at times when a fan favourite has returned to haunt his former club. Let's just start with the results from today. Um, and it's safe to say that the results today have just blown it wide open, haven't they? Without a doubt. I think uh, Southampton have dragged also West Ham, you've got to say, and Huddersfield into the uh, scenario big time. There'll be some pressure there. West Ham have got a massive game, haven't they? To, uh, and uh, against Manchester City at home, they haven't done well recently in that one. But uh, so they could—they're going to be in it. I think a lot of it is the fixtures. We've looked at the fixtures a little bit. It's who they've got to play, where they've got to go, and that, I, I agree with Chris. I think Swansea's safe. I okay. Really okay. The fixtures more than anything. We will have a look at the fixtures in great detail throughout the show. Um, just very briefly, while we have the table there, explain why you don't think Chelsea made um, the top four. Because Tottenham have three home games, and they have to they have to lose or you know drop a lot of points. I think Liverpool, Chelsea play Liverpool, Liverpool they have a better goal difference. I think off memory. Yeah, uh, correct. And I just think it's, it's right there on the telly, which is helpful. Well, I'm not obviously, really looking it's just <laughs> knowledge, Jake. Amazing. It's all in there. Um, <laughs> just a bridge too far. Yeah. Okay. And let's have a look at the bottom. Look, no one's safe really from tenth downwards, and you really do have to start looking, as you've mentioned, John, at Huddersfield and Brighton. It's their fixtures, not their points, that's the big concern for them. I think Watford, Bournemouth, and Palace are safe. I think it's from it's from maybe Brighton down. Possibly Brighton is safe for me. I think probably West Ham. Um, they've got an awful lot to do. The teams that are there to, to, for, for Watford and Bournemouth to be dragged into that, but. It's a case of, you know, Southampton now we've got a relegation battle on the, on the back of Southampton finally mm. getting a win today. OK, right, let's get on with it then. Let's hear from some West Brom fans. They've avoided the drop just about today. Remember, if Swansea had won this game, West Brom would be down. They're not. Let's hear from their fans after today's result. Natalie, just been to Newcastle v West Brom. Uh, we've won 1 0. Um, looks like we're probably still going down, but we're storing a bit of pride under Big Dave, getting a bit of pride and passion for the shirt back. Another win for Albion under Darren Moore. Uh, he continues to, to do a brilliant job. He's really showing up Alan Pardew and Tony Pierce's results this season. Right, give him the job, don't you think, Darren Moore? Um, give him the job. Well, do you know what? I was just speaking to Glenn off air about that. His building momentum, you know, is a, is a crowd favourite, but would they trust him? 
to, you know, they're going to go down. You know, would who trust him? Would the board trust him in the championship to get them back up? Well, if he wins football matches, that, that's the trust, isn't it? And that's what he's doing. Yeah, well, he's won football matches, really. The pressure's been off because West Brom have probably almost been down in the last couple of weeks, really. Um, but I think give him the job. I think he's done ever so well. Obviously, he's got a little bit of a reaction from the players. He's been working under Alan Pardew. Um, he knows the club. The fans really, really have taken to him. They like him. But it'd be interesting to see what the majority of the fans actually think, whether they would want him as manager. But I think give him a chance. It's always difficult when, when it's caretaker. You're not under the immense pressure that if it's your job and every responsibility is on your shoulders, you've got a three-year contract, whatever it may be. And the players feel that as well. So the release, mm. the chains are off. There's a little bit, yes, we've, we feel we're going down. But also the manager hasn't got the pressure. So maybe <laughs> keep him as a caretaker for a year. <laughs> You yeah. get better results. But what more you got to do to get the job? Yeah, I know, but that's why it's dangerous. It's very difficult. We've seen it before, where you give a caretaker the, yeah. the job and suddenly it's not. It's a different job, put it that well, way. He was asked Completely about it today. Different. Let's just quickly hear what he has to say yeah. about the job. The job, it really is, and, and I'm speaking openly, pure here now, it's just the next game. I really have not thought about any job, anything. I've been, I'm answering a situation with the football club and it generally, generally is, honestly, it really is, it's just on to the next game. And that's, all, and that's how I've approached it. Um, and, and we got a real tough game uh, for the following week coming up, a real big game and a tough match. And uh, we're just focusing on that one. Oh, I love Darren. I think he's a great bloke, but not thought about the job. Really? That's, that's all he's thinking about, isn't it? Well, what he has done is uh, he's put a, a, a seed now into the, the decision-makers, that seed of doubt. You know, they probably thought he's going to see it through to the end of the season. We're down. Well, they are down anyway. Uh, I don't think they'll trust him enough um, because they will want to bounce back first time. You know, they'll have all the money. They'll try and keep the squad together and bounce back. And they, they'll think he's too inexperienced. That, that is my view. I think they'll go for a Michael Appleton. Somebody Why? who's been there before. I think he has a he's, uh, he's the chief executive yeah. uh, before. So they will go for someone they trust and who's had a bit of experience. Would Michael Appleton be well received by West Brom fans, do you think? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he's been the, he's, again. He's he's been there. He's worked with the academy there. He's got he's left West Brom and he's had several jobs in the meantime. He's got a lot more experience than Darren Moore. You know, he's a shout. But um, I just think it's always a gamble. Whichever way yeah. you go, there's no guarantees that any manager is going to bring West Brom back up at the first attempt next year. So why not gamble on Darren Moore? Yeah, why not? Yeah, that's right. I mean, that's the point I was trying to make. He's he's planning for one game at a time. Yeah. It's different when you're planning for a season. That's when the pressure's on. Yeah. And it's hard to know, isn't it, whether this is him doing an amazing job or whether this is circumstance, the yeah. change of manager, the pressure's off, yeah. someone you like is coaching you, so you, you go and play well. Right, let's, uh, let's talk Southampton then. The result today, which has really changed the picture down the bottom of the Premier League. Let's hear from Joel, a Saints fan. It's so important today, home to Bournemouth. If we don't win this, I think we're down. And I'd hate to go down against Bournemouth as well because they're going to be saying this is a massive game. This is a massive game for us. And to be honest, we can't afford to lose more points at home. That was such an important game. A loss and I thought we'd be down. But due to the commitment of the players and Talic's great performance, we've managed to pull through and get the win. I thought on the balance of play, we deserve to win. And you could tell that the fans and the players really needed this because the atmosphere and all the passion was just fantastic today. 
You know, it's amazing what momentum at the right time can do. As things stand right now, would you rather be Southampton, who've picked up that win today and are feeling brilliant, but they're a point below Swansea? Would you rather be Swansea, who've been beaten here by Chelsea and are now looking over their shoulders? Uh, at this moment tonight, you'd probably rather be Southampton. Tomorrow morning, you'll wake up and think oh, you'd much rather be point. Swansea. Um, I just feel with Southampton, if they do stay up, and it's it's a big if still, that uh, that they've really gotten away with one. And, and the... The whole structure, the board really need to have a good look at themselves. Les Reed, there's been some very, very poor decision making. They've given Mark Hughes a, you know, a, a, a puncher's chance, you know, very little chance of staying up. He's, he's, he's gone in, he's looked for an instant reaction. He hasn't really got it, but that win today just drags Swansea closer to them, and that game's going to be so monumental. I think Southampton, though, Chris, I think they've got good players. Yep. You know, probably. You know, that, as I know, it's a cliche, but are too good to go down. I think when he would have left, when he left Stoke, you know, and then he goes back in at Southampton. I think he looked at Southampton's group and gone, "I've got, a, I've got a better group of players yeah. here." You look at the strikers, mm -hmm. you know, Charlie Austin, Gabbiadini, you know, Shane Long, Tadic got Tadic two. Too. I think they've got good players. Tadic, I couldn't understand last week leaving him out yeah. in that semi-final. Tadic is a top player who could move to a very big club, and I think do very well playing with better players around him but it's the longer term picture as well you can't uh, Claude Puel last year mm. you know, gets to the League Cup finals that's what he does I don't say over a long period of time you can't keep selling the amount of players they've been selling that wasn't Good the issue that wasn't really the issue it, it, you can't, it, yeah but it comes back at you Chris at the end of the day you've got to, you've got to hold on to a few of them but I don't, stay I, I don't think it's, uh, it's come back to haunt them like it has the change of manager I think they were fantasists you know they wanted a better style this is Southampton we're talking about I think Puel had to sell Wanyama uh, Mane still finished eight still got in a, uh, a cup final and, and they, they wanted a, a, a dream to play this mm. fantasy football a better brand of football and that didn't materialise and then the, the board sat on the hands they sat on the hands, they sat on the hands and then the, the, the defeat against Newcastle was the catalyst because the fans turned and, and you know they made the decision very late because they just, I think they just uh, naively believed that Pellegrino would somehow turn it around while sitting it all and watching it going down the pan week in and so week out. saying Claude Puel should have stayed? Yes, yeah. Absolutely. absolutely. Well, let's have a look at the, the remaining games then for Southampton. They've got Everton, they've got Swansea, they've got Manchester City. It, it, makes, the, it makes the game against Swansea here yeah. the game of the season, really, for these I two sides. I can't believe you asked, Chris, what position you'd rather be in Swansea or Southampton. <laughs> look at them fixtures. Everton away, Man City last game of the season, and an away game here at the Swansea were fighting for their lives. You would much rather be in Swansea's position looking at them fixtures. Well, they're still tough fixtures, aren't they? Uh, so Everton, happened. yeah, Everton, you know, away. They've just had a, an away win. Okay, there was problems there with Sam, but I think they've got momentum. Mm. The Swansea one here, okay, that's going to be a battle. But Manchester, I think the Man City one will mm. be the difficult one as well. It really will. They're, they're, they're just flying. They've won the league and they'll want to finish on how, the How concerned are you for Huddersfield and Brighton? Because they've sort of been out of this conversation for a while and suddenly you have to look at their remaining fixtures to put them firmly back in the conversation for relegation. Um, no, I don't think Brighton. I, I really don't see Brighton. I think they've got enough points as it stands. I don't see them in the mix. Huddersfield, with their goal difference, I think that they are in big trouble. Big enough trouble to get relegated? Yes, I do. And they won't take another point looking at them three fixtures. The, 
Yeah, the, the key thing there as well, th Chelsea are in the cup final. If they can't get top four by the time they play, yeah. because Spurs have won or whatever, that might be on their minds. Arsenal, if they get through to Europa, mm -hmm. that would be on, certainly on their minds. So they're not as frightening as they might look on paper. They certainly look frightening on paper. <laughs> yeah, they do. Wenger will want to win his last... The game well, in, 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 in charge. Well, yeah, but he still will want to go out with a bang. You know, Chelsea will still be in fighting and think they've got the chance. I think that, you know, they're in a bit of trouble. Well, you think they're in trouble. Here's an insight into how the Huddersfield fans feel at the moment. This is a big opportunity for town to get some points on the board and push us over that line, keep us in the Premier League. Uh, and we just haven't taken it at all. We were very poor today, very poor. We haven't given them anything like enough to think about. Uh, if I'm being honest, I think we've run out of steam. This squad hasn't got much Premier League quality in it, so to be in the position we're in is nothing short of miraculous. But as I say, I think they've given all they can this season and I'm not sure there's much left to give. We're just going to have to hope that there's three sides worse than us come the final day. So he says they've run out of steam and he's a Huddersfield fan. I need three names, the three teams who are going down as things stand tonight. I'll go West Brom. West Brom are gone. Stoke. And I'll pull... Huddersfield in there as well. Okay. So West Brom, Stoke, Huddersfield. I'm going the three that are there now. I'll put Southampton down, but the other two as well. The three that are there now, I can't see them getting out of it. Is that us out of time? No. <laughs> no uh, There's definitely the time for you. John. I'm the same as John. I think Huddersfield. I, Huddersfield are gone. Yeah, I, I will go. OK, yeah. right, thank you for that. Uh, friend of the show, Leon Britton, is back for more punishment. Haven't been on before. Nice to see you. Evening. I was just moaning about the fact he still has to go out there and warm down. Were you doing your shuttle run? Surely they let you off, no? You would have thought at 35 they'd let me off, but no, I've been out there doing the shuttle runs as, as normal when you don't come on, so one of the joys of being a sub. Right, lots to talk about. Um, I know you've just been in the dressing room with the guys. Just give us an idea of the mood in there just now. I think the mood's a bit frustrating there. I don't think um, the team's too down. I think um, we've done well, especially in the second half. We pushed and pushed. Uh, I think last week was disappointing, but I think we felt the performance was, was pretty OK today. Um, we thought if we play like that in the next three games, that we'll have a chance of getting the results that we need to stay in the league. Right, because the, the feeling in the studio was that there just wasn't enough cutting edge and bike going forward, wasn't it? That was the sort of feeling just from you two. Certainly first half, I think, you know, it was hard to match them going, you know, wing-back, wing-backs and matching them today. Yeah. And I think sometimes Chelsea know that system like the back of their hand. But second half, he went into a back four and then certainly the last 20 minutes, they really put them on the back. And they got the crowd going. It was yeah. a long time for the crowd to get going. And... Uh, they could have got back in that game in that last 20 minutes without a doubt. It was, they got bodies in the box and that's what I think you expected when you're at home to get bodies, even though Chelsea are a very good side. I, th I, think, as well, I think as well the goal set you back yeah. a little bit. You know, I think you want to tr try and come out at the start a little bit more urgency, yeah. get on the front foot, put, them, put Chelsea under pressure a bit. All of a sudden you're a goal down, you're on the back yeah. foot, it gives them a huge lift. Mm -hmm. But I did feel there was a little bit of lack of urgency from the front two in the first half. Nobody willing to run in behind. I thought the ball came off the front two far too easily, not allowing Swansea to move up the pitch. But um, in the second half, you, you're fantastic in the second half. Yeah, I think, I think Glenn's right. I think when we went to the four at the back mm. and with Wideman, we, we, we started to open up a bit more and we got into the final third. Like I say, the first half was a bit more... In front of Chelsea's uh, back five, if you like, we wasn't really, like I say, threatening too much behind. Frustrating thing was we didn't really uh, cause Courtois too many problems. Got into some decent positions. Wayne Routledge had a chance. Tom Carroll flashed one wide. Um, but we didn't really work Courtois as much as we'd liked. But, you know, like you say, I think you go into this game 
trying to start well, 10-15 minutes, get the crowd going, but it kind of knocks the stuff out of you a little bit conceding so early. You've used the word frustrating four or five times. You've only been on the show about two <laughs> minutes. Is, is that the feeling when you have been at the club for so long and they're staring potential relegation in the face here and you're, you're watching on, you're not out there able to have an impact on the game? Yeah, of course, it's difficult when you're, you're on the bench. Obviously, you want to be out there on the pitch having um, an influence on the game and, and the team. But obviously, you know, with senior players, we have to make sure we're in the change room and trying to pick the boys up at half-time if they're a bit down or after the game. Um, you're just trying to, have, trying to have your input in the game uh, from that side of things. But of course, listen, when the team's losing like that, you want to be able to get on the pitch and... and be able to do your, you know, yeah, affect the, affect the game. Obviously, from the side, you, you can't really do it. But the best the best part to be for a player is out there. It, it, it happened last year. It happened last season, didn't it? When mm. um, when Paul came in, Paul Clement, you were back in the team for the last five, six, seven games. Yeah. yeah. And and all of a sudden the results. Maybe you should remind team. the manager of that. Eh? Knock on the door and say, Gaffer, <laughs> absolutely. Play at the end of last season, and we and we got ten points. Well, go and tell him. Yeah. If, you like. if he's still about, you can uh, pop down. But no, it worked out well last year. Obviously, yeah. I stepped in for the, the last four or five games, and we had a, an upturn in results. But um, listen, we still got three massive games, and whoever plays, you know, all the players know how big it is to the club. The Southampton result. Before was, did that have a little? Was there anything there? Because if they'd have lost, if they'd have lost the game, yeah. you can imagine your guys would have been right on that front for even a, a point would have been fantastic. Yeah. If they lost, they win, and you go, okay, game on. You know, we, we, we had a similar situation here last year. I think um, for the Everton game, it was about the same time of the season, and um, Hull had played just before us, and we just went out to warm up for our half-five kickoff, and, and Hull had lost. Uh, and the atmosphere in the stadium, atmosphere in the change room was, yeah, was electric, yeah, like, you know. So it gave everyone a lift. Obviously, going out for the warm-up, we see uh, the result. But like we always say, I know it's boring, but we have to take care of ourselves. You know, we, of, of course, it would help if Southampton dropped points today. But we can't rely on other teams to, to drop points. No. It's about us picking up points. Obviously, today, we're disappointed and we haven't. But we go again next Saturday against Bournemouth. Take us inside the training facility. Tell us what, what Carlos has been like since he came here, his methods, the way he inspires the players, because he certainly had an impact, hasn't he? Well, he's had a massive impact. I think when he, when he came into the, the football club, he was um, struggling severely in confidence, bottom of the league. Um, you know, he took the job and his energy, his enthusiasm, his passion, um, straight away rubbed onto the, off to the players. Um, the atmosphere has been very relaxed as such, considering the situation we're in. I think also he's very good tactically. He looks at the opposition. He's, he brought his guys with him, brought four, four people with him um, who look at the opposition. And then from that, he puts his game plan together. And I think he's, he's very astute tactically. And um, he's done a great job where you see where we was uh, and where we are today, you know, with three games left uh, outside the relegation zone. I think any Swansea fan would have took that when, when Carlos come in. And what's he like with you guys? Is he, does he like meetings? Does he get you together? Are you doing double sessions every day? Is he working you hard? The meetings, the meetings are great. Like, you know, you see his press conferences. He's, um, he's great in his meetings. Same with you, like, is yeah, it? Yeah, he's, he's, you know, that's what you see on the telly and, and what we see in, he's exactly the same in his meetings. He's, but he's very passionate, you know, he's very enthusiastic. You see, you know, his meeting today, he's, he's full of energy telling us to make it so hard for Chelsea and how much it means to our families and the football club. Um, and like I say, I think that really rubs off. But he's, he's great around, around the training ground. He's, he's really lifted the place in a, in a real dark time for the club. I think as well, Jake, he had a lot to prove when he first came in because nobody fancied him whatsoever. Mm -hmm. He'd just been sacked. Uh, you From know, the they, championship. They were middle of the table, yeah. not doing particularly well. A lot of injuries, Sheffield Wednesday. But he came to Swansea. I remember, I think I, I did a gig on a radio show, 
and people are going, what on earth are Swansea mm. doing? Why are they appointed a manager that's just been sacked? So really, he was under pressure straight away. He had a lot to prove. He came in. He went on a fantastic one. You won your first game at Watford. Came from yeah. a goal behind. You got a great start, and then um, you know. So for me, he's done extraordinary on the back of how much he had to prove as well. I think you've got to give credit to the, the, the board and the chairman for that, you know. I think over the years they've made um, some really good decisions in managers, but obviously in recent years we've, we've chopped and changed. But to give Carlos the job, like you say, a manager who uh, around Christmas time was, was sacked from a championship team. What was the WhatsApp group like among the players when a middle-of-the-table sacked championship manager got announced? <laughs> I think players understand that when you're at the bottom of the league, it's difficult. It's going to be difficult to attract yeah. uh, you know, managers because people see the situation you're in. So We're just bought to be five points adrift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's difficult, isn't it? It's gone almost. It's amazing to, to think the run that you've put together and you, mm. you're actually, you've worked so hard. He's done such a great job. And he has. The players have, mm. the fans have, everyone. And you're still just one point mm. above that line. It's a miracle what you've done, but you're still back... Uh, Playing like you have been and the points you picked up over the, the weeks, Absolutely, you yeah. expect them to be out clear. And is there is there a seriousness to him? Is there a sort of anger? Because we see, you know, as 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 we do in the media, really happy-go-lucky, relaxed, Carlos using all these strange phrases. Some players don't need to be scared of their manager, don't they? No, I think. He, you know, he has got that side to him for sure. Yeah, he, he said to us when he first came in that the, you know I've got two faces. You know, I've got the nice one, but I've also got you know the other side, and you don't want to see the other side. I think we all know with the manager, there's that line. We can have the joke and we can have the fun, but at the same time, when we get on the training ground, it's serious work. You know. Have you seen it? Yeah, the other yeah, we've seen it. You know, we've seen it when we maybe not perform well, or someone maybe in trainings larking about. You know, he comes down on them, and, and we know there's that line that you don't cross. I think you have to have that as a manager. You can't, like you say, I know you see on uh, you know the press conferences and and the phrases he comes out with, but of, of course there's a serious serious. What makes him angry? Um, sloppiness. I think you know the, the sloppiness that we, we we've shown in some of the games recently. Um, but I think you know. It, it, he just sets standards on the training ground and he wants us to meet them. And if we, if we don't meet them on the training ground on a daily basis, that sets him off a little bit. So the boys have, have raised the level uh, in the last three or four months he's, since he's been there. And what's this season been like for you personally? Is it kind of, you've had a bit of everything, including taking charge of the place. <laughs> no, it's been a, obviously a really busy uh, year for me or eventful as such. Um, I've been frustrated with injuries. I've had a lot of... Small injuries, not, not, not long-term injuries, maybe a, a calf injury that keeps me out for a couple of weeks. I come back, pick up maybe a groin injury that keeps me out for a couple of weeks. I've never been consistent, uh, consistently training, which, is, which has been very frustrating. But obviously I had the, the stint of two games as caretaker manager, you know, which, was, which was great. The club rang me, the chairman asked me if I was willing to do that. Which Any doubts? No, not really. I've been at the club a long time, so I said to the chairman, any way I can help, and he said, if you don't want to do it, you don't have to, but I'd like, to, like you to take it. And I said, of, of course I'll do that. But then after 5-0 defeat at Anfield, I thought it was, uh, <laughs> when, it was quite when, tough. When, you know? when Leon was given the job for a couple of games, I was the first person to phone him. I yeah. said, look, do you want me to try and come and help you out a little bit? Yeah. <laughs> Did he take you off on the Never got back to me. <laughs> <laughs> what? This is awkward, isn't it? This is really awkward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was more like wishing him good luck. Yeah, OK. Fine. Should we skirt over that? Um, did you do those two games, though, and think, I want more of that? Or did you do them and think, nah? I think, I think it was a bit of both. I, I did enjoy it to, to a certain extent. You know, it was, it was great. It was obviously a lot of pressure. There was a lot of um, surrounding things that you had to sort out, um, which was quite stressful at the time. 
But um, going into the games, you know, I did enjoy it. You know, looking at the opposition, the training, how we're going to try and affect them, how we're going to try and stop them. Um, you know, the Crystal Palace game where we, we got a draw, which I enjoyed. But obviously, it was difficult going to Anfield and losing um, five 0 You're standing there, and, and you know, we're playing poorly and we're, we're losing that game. But how many days before that game did you get? Did you get the call? I think I took the team on on the Thursday, and we played well, Palace on the Saturday. So when you get a phone call from the club where you've been for so many years and they say, right, we now want you to be the manager, what do you do the next morning when you go in at nine o'clock? Like, are you there early with a tracksuit on thinking, right, what do I do now? Are you copying the previous manager's training and just doing the same things because that's what the lads are used to? How, how, how did you approach it? Well, I think I just tried to, obviously the players were down, I think just to try to make, not give the players too much information and try and change things too quickly. I mean, in two days yeah. before a game, it's impossible to start throwing loads of things at the players. It was just more, just try and make things... Uh, I feel weird though, suddenly you're the one standing up in front of them. Of course, it's strange, but I have to be honest, the players were great with me. The, right. the players were fantastic. The chairman, the chairman stood there in front of him and obviously explained the situation with, with Paul Clement leaving and that I'd be taking over um, as caretaker manager. But no, I think that the players were, were brilliant with me. They, they understood the situation. They, they took on board uh, what I wanted, wanted them to do. Um, but no, of course, it's a bit strange when all of a sudden you're sat in the changing room as a teammate and then all of a sudden you have to pick 11 players and you have to leave some out the starting 11, some out, uh, out of the squad. Um, it, obviously, it's, it's a difficult situation, mm. but you know that's that's what I knew I was getting into when I when I took the caretaker role. But also, Leon, you'd you'd worked under Roberto Martinez here, you know, as 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 your manager, Gary Monk as well. You were very friendly with Gary, so did you did you tap into what you learnt off them? You, they were friends with them, and also your manager, you know, for them couple of games. Did you look back and think I'm going to maybe tap into some of the things I learned from them too? Well, yeah, I was lucky in that respect. Of yeah. Obviously, two managers there, two ex-teammates. He went from players to, to manager at the football club. So, no, I did speak to them mm -hmm. um, and try to pick up a bit of experience from themselves, what they'd done, mm -hmm. what they changed, what they didn't change, the, you know, their training methods and, and the way they acted around the players. Mm -hmm. I think I'd be a fool not to, to take that on board because both managers have gone on to do very well. So I was lucky in that respect that I could call upon them on, on the end of the phone or mm -hmm. you know, call upon the experience I've had of working with them. And you were sort of publicly saying, look, I, I don't really want to take over the manager's job at the moment. Would you have liked it if they'd have turned around and said, you know what, two games becomes rest of the season? Would that have appealed to you at the time? Not really. I was, you know, I was being honest. I, you know, I knew from the start that I, I just wanted to um, take the caretaker role until um, the club found a suitable replacement um, for Paul. Even if they offered it to me for the end of the season, I probably would have said, you know, I don't want to do that. Um, you know, I didn't think I was ready to, to take the role um, on the, on the full-time basis or, or for the end of the season, I didn't think I was ready for that. So I told mm. the chairman that, that I was there to help the club in, in the short-term period. But um, for me, that's, at that time and that point, I, I just don't think it was the right move for me. Is, is it giving you a little flavour for management later on? Yeah. Did I, it give you, a, you know, like that little buzz that you thought, actually, I can do this long-term? Yeah, I think it did. I think um, I've been lucky that I've worked under some um, very good managers who have gone on to do very well and... Um, it did give me a little bit of a flavour then two games and, and the training, the build-up to the games and dealing with team selections and the training and everything else that surrounds uh, being a manager. Obviously, there's a lot, you, you know, when you step into it, you realise there's a lot of things you have to deal with um, that probably as a player that you, you, you don't see, you know, you, you take for granted as a player when you go out for training or you travel to games that everything's done. It's like having a job, isn't it, for the first time? It is a little bit like that, yeah. <laughs> and that's why I went back to being a player. <laughs> exactly. Much easier. And obviously you made the decision to bring on IU off the bench. He got the equaliser against Crystal Palace. So if they stay up by a single point, 
you are res you are responsible for Swansea's survival. So whatever the gaffer's getting as a survival bonus, you need half at least. Right? Let's hope we don't go down to goal difference because I lost five 0 at Anfield. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if you had a striker coach as well. Could have been very different. Um, Absolutely. There was a tweet that you sent earlier in the week, which I, I thought was really nice. Let's have a quick look at it. It was talking about um, sort of throwbacks, and you said throwback nearly 20 years when Ar Arsenal offered me terms as an apprentice, <laughs> turning it down to join West Ham, thinking I would get a better opportunity. I love the letter as well. How is a letter from Liam Brady not enough to get you to sign for <laughs> Arsenal? Was the 400 quid a week the problem? No, it wasn't. At the time, um, Arsene Wenger had just joined the club. I think it was in 98 there. I think it was maybe two years um, previously joined the football club and he just started to bring young players from all over Europe and uh, all over the world really and I just yeah. felt at that time West Ham had just won the Youth Cup uh, had a fantastic team with Joe Coles, Carricks and, and the likes and obviously Rio and Frank in the first team I just felt that my future was better suited at West Ham I might get the better opportunity to break through into the first team than, than I would at Arsenal I'd been at Arsenal um, from nine years old to I was 16 so I was there a long time but I just felt for my future at that point, West Ham would be the better move, but it, it didn't work out because it didn't make a, an appearance in the first team. Just think, Leon, you could have cleaned my boots instead of Ashley Cole <laughs> at that particular time. Ashley Cole used to clean my boots. You would you, you'd have, you'd have joined that sort of that group of players, yeah. Ashley's age, yeah, if you'd gone. Oh, it's a shame. It's a shame because it's a great club. I loved. Yeah. I loved Arsenal. Do you, do, you, do you allow yourself to have regrets? Do you wish you'd done it, or are you are you sitting here now thinking I've had a great career? How can I regret anything? No, I think I'm happy with my career. I think. Moments like that, you look back, or when I left Swansea to go Sheffield United, it's at that moment, you know, when you when you make them decisions, it's it's easy to sit back at 35 and say, oh, I should have done this or I could have done that. But at that moment in time, you looked at it and you felt that was the right decision, and, and you have to live and die by them decisions. I wouldn't I wouldn't change um, anything in my career. I think I've been you know very fortunate to to have the career I've had. And how does 400 quid a week compare to your first salary, Glenn? <laughs> Can you remember? God, yeah, uh, 16 pound, I think I was on. <laughs> Suddenly that seems like a good amount of money. <laughs> oh yeah, but mum and dad got an allowance on top of that, I think, about 20 quid, yeah. Nice. What about you, John? <laughs> Apprentice wage at Luton, £29.50. That's what it was. And then I went to Arsenal at 19, I got a little bit more than, a little bit more than that. And when we talk about regrets, do, do you guys allow yourself to have those? Have you got anything that stands out in your career that you think, that was it, I should have done that, or I shouldn't have made that decision or not? Um, I think what Leon said there about, you know, at that particular time, you know, you've got to go with your heart, you've got to go with what you feel is right. But uh, I have got a few regrets, I regret training ground incidents and things like that. But Which one stands out? Well, I think the obvious one, I think the one at West Ham. Um, it was the wrong reaction, I shouldn't have reacted the way that I did. Um, I paid the price for it, I was suspended, I was plastered all over the media. Yeah. And, and I always felt that went before me slightly. You know, whenever well, after that, you think, yeah, I thought right. it went before me because I was aggressive and I, you know, I like to back into players, but you know, it, it was an unsavoury incident. And I always felt whenever people spoke about John Hartson, and they'd say, well, yeah, you know, decent guy holds the ball up well, decent, good in the air, scores goals. But did you see that? I always felt, you know, I, I had to sort of get over that before I could prove prove myself again. So I regret certain things, but in terms of my, the moves that I got. You know, I had some I had some good moves during my career. I don't regret going to any particular club rather than another club. But I think most people would go through a career, twenty year career, you know, and struggle not, not to have a regret. Yeah. Glenn? No, I think I was lucky in many ways. I wanted to test myself abroad and there was a stage where I nearly went when I was twenty one. At 24, and injuries sort of took me away. So that was one thing I was really yearning for 
I would have been regretful if I hadn't have done that. And eventually I, I went a little bit later in my career uh, uh, to Monaco with Arsenal. But um, no, hey, listen, in the end, you make your decisions on the back of what you think's right at that time. You can't look back in life and think there's regrets there because you, your life is panned out as you plan it. You create your own, your own life. Listen, thanks ever so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Um, your, your sort of immediate future plans, what's going on? Have you had conversations with the club? Have you got a plan for next season yet that you can tell us or one you can't tell us? Well, obviously my situation is running out of um, my contract at the end of the season. I had an option to, to extend if I hit a certain amount of games, which I haven't. So um, I need to make a decision um, whether I carry on playing, uh, whether I finish here and, and maybe stay at the football club in another way or I move away. So obviously I need to really be thinking about that, which I have done in, obviously in, in recent months, but um, I'm sure in the next, in the next uh, week or so, I think uh, you know, we'll make the decision and, and we'll release it and let everyone know. Okay, well, look, thanks for joining us. Um, whatever happens, very best of luck. And you are welcome on PLT anytime. Um, we were talking about regrets. You didn't get the chance to join in. Well, good. Yeah, um, <laughs> Now's your moment. Well, how, how long have you got? You oh, a long, long enough, time. Uh, Jake, to be honest. Um, look, looking back, I've got plenty of regrets. We discussed the England stuff last time. We don't need to, to go through that uh, again. Um, but uh, my career panned out the way it did. There were, there were certain things that, uh, you know, I didn't want to leave Celtic. That was Gordon Strachan's fault without apportioning blame. Uh, and I regretted <laughs> Tell that. us how that panned out then. Um, what happened there? Well, uh, that was a contractual situation and we had a falling out, Jake. And uh, I ended up leaving. more detail? Um, yeah, he, 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 uh, he turned me over over a, a, a contract which I'd agreed with the previous manager. Verbally, right. right. Um, that was the long and the, the, the short of it. Um, but he did a good job at Celtic, um, you know, when they were sort of cutting back a little bit. But I didn't want to leave. I'd had five, you know, great years at Celtic. It's a great club. John knows it extremely well. And uh, so, you know, that was disappointing, but, you know... He... And what are you like in that situation? Do you sort of accept your fate or do you beg him to keep you on? Are you I not didn't know. Kind of there guy? certainly wasn't any begging. That was a, a, a big convincing. disagreement. Um, no, it wasn't con uh, convincing because I, I, I was wronged at the time. Uh, that was, there was a deal in place and uh, that didn't materialise. He had his own reasons. I just wish he would have been more upfront. Yeah. And, and Have you yeah. made peace now? Uh, yeah, I like Gordon. We work together on the television and we get on as long as I agree with him. <laughs> as long as he doesn't do anything that you don't like. Um, anything else? Uh, no, not, uh, not really. I'll, I'll have a think and get back to you. Brilliant. I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's more. Um, <laughs> loads of talk online about Leicester at the moment. Uh, let's just share a few of these. Liz, who's a Leicester fan, he's got to go. Players aren't interested. Talking about Claude Puel. James Scott, it's exciting me. We might finally be getting rid of Puel. Hashtag Puel out. Uh, Basha Broughton, can't wait for us to get stuffed 3-1 next week by West Ham and the Puel in brigade say, just give him time. So, um, Claude Puel is under pressure. That was an embarrassing defeat by Crystal Palace today. One point from the last four games. Is he going to lose his job at Leicester as well now? I hope he doesn't. I really do. I mean, it's a, it's a pattern for him. It's a similar pattern that he had at Southampton. I, I think that that result there, you notice they had a man sent off at 54 minutes and they've scored three late goals, Palace. Mm -hmm. They were trying to, with 10 men, you're 2-0 down, trying to get that sort of back in the game, maybe. You're going to be opened up and that's what's happened. And I think that's a bit unfair to sort of have that reaction after that. They'll say 
yeah, it's been coming. Mm. But I think long term, what he did at Lille and what he's done in his career, if you look at him, I think in long term he will he'll get the job done right. He's trying to make them play a little bit more football. Yeah. He's try, I was with him a few weeks ago. He's trying to make them become a team that can become a little bit more with possession as well as hit people on the break when they're playing the top, top teams. And I think at the moment he just needs a bit more time. I wonder, though, if this is, if this is about football or if this is about him these problems that keep on occurring. When we talk about patterns in football, sometimes it's not a coincidence, is it? Uh, no, I just think that it, there, there is so much short-termism now in, uh, in football. Uh, and I, I understand Leicester won the Premier League and the fans want to return to that sort of level. The truth is, is Leicester are probably uh, what they, in, in ninth position where, yeah, yeah. where they, they should be. Uh, and I just think that the fans at Leicester need to get a little bit more. Not all the fans, of course, but these fans are calling for his head. I mean, it's, it's, it's madness. It is unrealistic. Give him time. I think he's done an OK job. Yes, the football may not have been as, as easy on the eyes as the supporters would have liked, but they're in ninth place. It's been a good season for Leicester. Because we criticise football clubs and we criticise football for short-termism, but... you. We're seeing it more and more, actually, from fans as well, aren't we? They're part of the conversation about, ah, lost three, lost four, get rid. Football's not good enough. Yeah, and, and you know, it's, it's a winning business, isn't it? It's, it's, it's a winning, um, you know, you've got to win. Simple as that. If, if you're not winning, you, you're under pressure. And I think it's very difficult for managers to, to, to ask the, the, the team. It's difficult because sometimes when the team are totally safe that Leicester have been safe now for about two and a half months. Mm. You know, they're, they're going to play Premier League football next season. You know, I think what, what's happened, I think, for me is that the Leicester players have down tools a little bit. They're almost on holiday. And for the manager to keep trying to get a turn out of them when they already know that they're safe, I think you, you've got a situation here at Leicester. I think the advent of player power is another conversation for another Premier League tonight. But Plus, he's, only, he's only brought one player in. Yeah. Mm. Let's be fair. He's looking for a longer picture to bring him what he wants in next year. OK, the talk this week has been about Iniesta. He is leaving Barca and actually leaving Europe because he can't bear to face his former club. We'll hear from these three in a moment, but it got us thinking, who's broken your heart in football? Have a listen. That Van Sintetien once told us that only love can break your heart, but us Watford fans found out in 2013 that small strikers signed from Bulldog Town for just £10,000 can break your heart just as easily. That's right, Super Kevin Phillips popped up for Crystal Palace uh, to score the match-winning penalty in the playoff final against Crystal Palace. We thought it was all going so well, we'd had that incredible semi-final playoff um, against Leicester where Trudini scored that memorable goal. We thought the, uh, our name was on the playoff trophy, but there he was, Kevin Phillips, cool as a cucumber in, well, very near the end of the game to score that penalty in, uh, in extra time. He broke our hearts. A fan's favourite who came back to Haunts Huddersfield Town on several occasions uh, is Jordan Rhodes. He scored 40 goals in 45 games in League One to help fire us to promotion back to the Championship. And then we sold him to Blackburn for £8 million. It was a club record fee, but it was nowhere near enough for a player of that calibre. And he went on to prove that by scoring against us for Blackburn pretty much every time we came up against him, including a hat-trick against us at our place as well. This season, you look at Glenn Murray playing back at Brighton, scoring two in three, including the winner of the FA Cup. That's a bit of a bit of a pain. But the worst one for me has to be Super Frank. Goes to Man City, comes back. We're playing against ten men at the Etihad. Scores a last-minute equaliser. Did it ever bother you playing against former clubs? Um... Not really. I mean, you know, you're, you're motivated for the club you play for. Um, 
essentially. So I, I never had that feeling. It's not that you, well, you do want to put one over on them, go back and, and maybe prove a point. Even over Norwich? Even at Norwich, Jake, I left and oh, well, I scored within four minutes on my Norwich return. I, I ended up losing. Brilliant goal, Jake. It was all right. <laughs> I didn't like it much. <laughs> and uh, and uh, well, well, John played uh, for Celtic against Blackburn when uh, the UEFA Cup tie, Graham Souness famously said it was men against boys at Celtic Park. When they played us <laughs> off the park, we beat them 1-0 and we went down to Blackburn. My old club had five years there and stuffed them out of sight and I scored and I was really happy inside but I didn't want to celebrate. What do you think about this non-celebrating thing? Does it sit comfy with you? Not really. Um, it all depends, I think, how well you've done for the club. I think if you've spent, like Chris said, five years and you'd won a Premier League title there, you have some sort of affinity with the fans. Of course you do. But if you spend the odd season at a club, then celebrate like every, yeah. other, every other goal. But I can see why Chris wouldn't have celebrated because, you know, he had a great time with them fans, the Blackburn fans. What was it like when you played against Swansea, the, you know, the, the, the town where you were born? Was that all right for you? Was it easy for you or not really? Well, um, don't get me wrong, it, it was tough because um, Swansea City, we came to Upton Park, Swansea in the FA Cup, and we drew the game 1-1, and Swansea's well, 5,000 Swansea travelling fans all singing my name. And uh, we drew the game one all. then we came back to the vet field. And we got beat 1-0. Yeah. Uh, I, was, I was a little bit subdued, I think, during the game. Don't get me wrong, if I'd got a chance, I would have done my best to put the chance away because it's your professional. Is there not a tiny bit of you, though, that just when the ball comes across and you're against your former club, just a thought flashes no. across your mind? No, 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 no. I'd have scored. If I, I'd have had the opportunity and I'd have had a chance no, to Chris score. He's laughing at me. He's like, no. I, I, would, I would have scored. And I never played for Swansea. I just yeah. grew up here all mm. my life in Swansea. So, big Swansea City supporter, always, all my life. But uh, if I'd have had the chance to score, I would have scored. But it was a difficult night. You have to be totally professional. I mean, mine was slightly different. Chelsea going back to Tottenham, I was player-manager. So that's slightly different yeah. as well, because you've got so the responsibility. You of never the played against them as a player? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I played against Tottenham. them. Tottenham. Over at Tottenham, yeah, at White Hart Lane at the bridge. I remember the, the record that Chelsea were proud of this record, beating Tottenham, and we were 1-0 down. And I'm warming up, and I'm warming up in front of the Spurs fans, and they're all singing, I was damned if I do and damned if I don't. They're all singing, you're Spurs and you know you are. Yeah. And I'm stretching and warming <laughs> up. We're losing 1-0. And I'm th if I wave to them, my Chelsea fans yeah, are yeah. going to kill me. <laughs> and I can't, you know, they're, I'm getting stick because I'm wave not... Everyone, no? yeah. <laughs> and in the end, I think Dennis Wise popped. I came on and uh, put a cross in right in front of them, put a late cross in. Then little Dennis Wise heads it in, and we keep that record as Chelsea. Yeah, and they're going berserk behind me. But, and you uh, are doing what uh, as Dennis Wise celebrates? Are you joining in? Are you yeah, part of the celebration? Yeah, manager. It was, it was, you know, it was a massive point for us. And uh, of course, yeah, you had to do it. You're professional, you put your head on. That's it. I went back to play for Monaco against Tottenham, but it was just a, it was a winter break that we had. So it was a friendly. That was a bit stranger, yeah. Um, lots of comments coming in. David McIntosh, one, uh, one that both guests or two of you guests will remember. Henrik Larsson returning to Parkhead with Barcelona. Mm. Mm. Yeah, he didn't celebrate either. I think he beat us 3-1, didn't they, on the yeah. night? Henrik scored, loved the goalkeeper, just ran back and... Again, the affinity that he had with the Celtic fans, I wouldn't have expected Henrik to celebrate. That's the only time we yeah. lost under Martin O'Neill at home. And, he, and if you're playing against a, you know, at the club where someone has played with you and now they're on the opposition, are you reminding them of that? Are you having a little word with them saying, come on, are you winding them up a bit, using a bit of your famous um, mental toughness, Chris? No. Nothing. No, absolutely. You concentrate on the job in hand. You, you know, when he, when he came back, it was a, an emotional night. Um, but... 
you know, the, the focus was on us trying to beat a, a, a top Barcelona team, but it was the typical Henrik to come back and do that. That's all for this week's PLT podcast. If you liked it, give us a subscribe and it'll be sent to your device every single week. We'll be back next week coming to you from Goodison Park as we're live on BT Sport on the 5th of May for Everton against Southampton. As ever, get in touch using hashtag PL tonight. Bye for now.